0: Welcome to Creating Wealth Through Passive Apartment Investing Podcast. In this show, we will discuss about best and worst experiences about passive and active apartment investing. And I am your host, Ramakrishna. Let's begin the show. Today's our guest is Ibrahim Anderson from Capital Cashflow. Welcome, Ibrahim.
1: Thank you, Rama. It's great to be here. Yeah,
0: thanks for being on the show. A little bit about Ibrahim is a real estate investor focused on mobile home parks with over 800 units. He's in the top 100 owners in the USA. With that, Ibrahim, would you like to add anything to your background?
1: Sure. I started out in apartments actually and focused on those for a while. As of just last week, I sold my last apartment building and now I'm exclusively into mobile home parks. So not looking back, I'm just going straight ahead with 100% on parks.
0: So what is the reason selecting real estate, apartments and mobile home parks?
1: Yeah. So, you know, I try to be conscious of what am I spending my time on and is this something I want to be doing for the rest of my life? And personally, I really like to work, but there could come a time where either I don't want to work or I'm unable to work and I want to be able to be making money in my sleep. And real estate to me is the best vehicle to do that. Initially, I started out focused on apartments and those are great, but what really always kill me with apartments is the repair and maintenance and the turnover. I had twenty one a twenty one unit apartment uh, building, and I'd get the whole thing full. Everything would be great, and then somebody would move out. And then the time to get it full, someone would run off. Have to rehab the thing. It cost a couple grand. Wait, put someone else in there, and someone else would run off. And then just constantly having to uh, repair things. So throughout, I you know I listened to lots of podcasts, just like this one here, and would occasionally hear about mobile home parks. And my first reaction was, you know, I don't want to buy a trailer park. But you know, after I looked into it more, I really saw how great the numbers are on it and realized that a mobile home park is kind of like a parking lot where you don't own their homes you know ideally they own their own homes and you're just renting them the space so there's very really little you have to maintain so that's kind of what got me interested in parks and the, the past uh, little over three years i've been focused uh, solely on buying mobile home parks awesome
0: awesome and thanks for sharing that so which are all markets you're targeting for this mobile home parks
1: uh, really, I'm, I'm based in uh, East Tennessee, and I'll go really a six hour radius of where I'm at. And th- the reason is because if I like to feel like if I if something really went wrong, I can wake up in the morning, drive there to my property, fix whatever is the problem, and then drive back in one day. If you get past six, six hours, you're really looking into multiple days of doing that. So right now I've got 14 parks. Most All of those are in Tennessee, except for I've got one in West Virginia. Um, but I would buy really anywhere in the southeast in that area.
0: Awesome, awesome. Thank you. So, what are the factors you would consider before investing into any mobile home park? What kind of fundamental?
1: Yeah. So, and just a real quick, I mean, apartments are probably my second favorite investment. And and what I was realizing with apartment, I could have made it work a lot easier than I had. I would have had to scale up. It's easier to manage a 50 space property than it is to manage a 20 space one because the more money you have coming in, you can hire better management. You can get full-time maintenance guys. And so I could have made it work if I just hired bought more apartment. But as far as looking at parks, the big things that you want to look for are the utility setup. And then I would say the second big thing is the metro where it's at. So with, with any real estate, but especially with mobile home parks, uh, you really want to get city water and city sewer if you can, because utility issues are usually about 70% of the headaches you'll have with parks. Most of mine are on city utilities. And then all you're doing then, like I said, is you go in, you sell off the homes if they don't already own the homes and you're just renting them the, the land. But the other important factor with parks is where they're at. You know, the old adage in real estate, location, location, location. With parks, your best performing ones will always be in great areas and the worst performing ones will always be be in bad areas. And the reason is if you have to get rid of somebody, let's say you have a 50 space park and you've got one resident who's got tons of trash around their home. They've got five pit bulls, you know, they're not following the rules and you've got to evict that person, you want to be able to replace them with somebody else once you, you know, get them out of there. If you're in a good area, you know, you'll have people calling you up wanting to bring in a home or wanting to buy a home. Versus if you're in kind of a far out area, that can be kind of difficult. So those are the two big things I'd say with parks are you know utility setup and where it's at
0: cool and thank you for sharing so so far you have acquired around 800 units in mobile home park space right yes so what's your business plan for those box?
1: sure so my whole goal at least initially, early on was I wanted to hit a 20% cash on cash return within two months. And you can achieve that. Or you, Now it's getting a lot harder because the market just in general and all forms of real estate has really picked up. But a lot of times with park, the rents are so low compared to the market. Uh, we purchased one park where the market lot rent $450 a month and everyone in the park was around $200 a month. So less than half. Now you can't go in there and just raise them up overnight. Really, you can't go up more than $50 a year. So it's going to be several years before we get up to market. But, you know, that's one way you can instantly increase the value of a property. Another one is a lot of times in parks, just like you'll see in apartments, is their master metered water. So we'll go in there and we'll submeter and then we build them back for their water usage, which does two awesome things. One is it, it removes the biggest line item, obviously, that you're paying every month, which is usually the water bill. The other thing is it, it really promotes conservation and saving water. Uh, so the average is you will save about 30% percent usage on the water when they're paying for it versus if the, the property owner is paying for it because you know you don't want to save water if you're basically just saving it to save your neighbor money if you're saving water to save yourself money then you know that does a uh, that really help foster conservation uh, another thing you'll see depends on your market but a lot of times parks will have a mixture of tenant-owned homes that's where the, the the tenants own their homes and park-owned homes where the park has them and as long as you're purchasing the park correctly where you're not applying a cap rate to the the mobile homes. You can go in there, after buy the part and sell off those homes to the residents or to new people, take their market, their lot rent up to market. So let's say they're renting a home and lot for $500 a month. You can sell off the home and then their lot rents $300 a month or whatever the market rent is. Then you've got no more repair and maintenance. So usually depends on the, the turnaround, but within two to six months, we do all of our turnarounds to the property, raise the rent, fill some lots, fill empty homes, clean up the common areas, install a sign, put in some nice fencing, enforce the rules, sometimes put in a playground. It's insurance friendly. We do all these things. And then my goal is I want to refinance within 12 to 18 months. So fix the part, refinance, and then go do another one.
0: Got it. And thanks for sharing that. So, And what are the cap rates? What the price range are these the deals that you acquired?
1: Sure. So it's, if I feel like I'm always chasing cap rates down, well, when I started back 2018, 2019, the cap rates were about 8% and I was trying to get a 10 cap. So I always felt like, man, everything seems overpriced. And then when I realized, well, eight cap, that's the reality. Now they're down to like a seven cap. As of right now, as of, you know, 2021, a lot of times you're buying parks that might be a five cap going in. And, but with, you know, with the rent raise and with some relatively easy fixes, you can get it up to like a seven or eight cap. So as of right now, that's, that's kind of the reality. And it it depends. The, the the bigger everyone is wanting to get larger parks, 50 units and up, city utilities in a good area. Uh, that's what everyone is targeting, including big, you know, REITs and, and syndicators. So parks like that really trade for a premium. And and so that really solely just recently I decided I'm I'm not going to be buying any more 20 and 30 space parks. I'm just going to focus on portfolio building asset. And so I'm I'm really, you know, trying to target target those larger properties to, you know, to have a, a better portfolio.
0: Awesome. And thanks for sharing that. And would you share any of your best mobile home park investing experience so far?
1: Yeah, I'll say one thing that, and this is not even not just just necessarily parks, but really apartments as well. I really love just the brotherhood you have with community owners, whether it's apartments or parks, and everyone's willing to share advice with each other. With parks, a lot of the owners are the original builders of art and they're just super friendly. Even if they don't want to sell, you know, they'll be glad to talk to you. You know, tell them their experiences, how they got into it, and it, it's really a, a great feeling to, you know, mom and pop who built the park forty years ago. They're wanting to retire. And now, purchase it from them, and then continue that legacy. One thing that is interesting about parks is it's the only form of real estate that there are fewer of them every year. So every year, about 100 mobile home parks get torn down and turned into some other use. And there's only about 10 that are built. Because in most jurisdictions, you are not allowed to build new mobile home parks because cities don't like them. And so uh, more of them get redeveloped. What happens is mom and pop, they never raise the rents for 30 years. A land developer comes in and, and sees, well, hey, I can buy this park you know, and it's worth more to me as land than as a park, they'll buy it, they'll redevelop it into something else and everyone loses their home. So I want to save parks, you know, we're going in, we're buying the park and doing the improvements, raising the rent to keep it more valuable as a park so that everyone stay there. So that's kind of cool. I feel like, you know, we're actually doing a good service to the residents there, especially. And again, I I really like the community aspect of even younger park owners, you know, it's all, it's like a brotherhood. Awesome,
0: awesome. And would you also share any of your challenging or worst experience with mobile home park investing?
1: The worst experiences, you know, and they stick out in your mind. Usually they're tenant issues. And and don't get me wrong, most most of them are just excellent people. You know, they're just like you or I would be. They may not be as affluent or you know what have you, but they're really nice people. They just want to live somewhere nice and clean and safe and, and raise their family or go to work every day. So you know you have some residents that will go out of their way to destroy the property. Right now, you know we're we're still kind of in the midst of COVID. We're coming out of it, but in some areas you still can't file eviction. And the the good residents they've been paying all throughout it. Um, throughout our portfolio we've got 94% collection, but we still got that's about six percent that aren't paying, which is a lot of people. In most of those cases, not all of them, but in most of them, it's it's people that they're still working. You know, they they still got jobs. They're they're going to work every day. They've got money, but they're just not paying you rent because they know they can get away with. So that kind of annoys, and it's definitely annoying when before they leave, they'll go ahead and destroy the home, just absolutely demolish it because they know it costs so much to move a mobile home. It costs about six or seven grand depending on where you're at. So a lot of times, if you evict somebody that owns their home, eventually you'll end up getting it through abandonment, um, which is a long kind of long process. But so they know that they can't take the home with them, so they'll just go and they'll pour, you know, quick creep down the drains to clog up the pipe or they'll cut the pipes. They'll destroy the wiring. So those kind of stick out in my mind. And it's really depressing to me to see a beautiful home just get destroyed because the the residents are, are annoyed they're getting evicted. So that's kind of a, a bad experience, but you know, don't let that scare you off. Had that happen to me in apartments as well. So yeah, that, that's kind of one of the, the horror stories with uh, with parks. Yep.
0: Thanks for sharing that. And are you using third party property management for managing your properties?
1: Sure. I'm glad you brought this up. Something I wanted to touch on. That was one other turn on to me for part So the, to answer your question, no, I'm not. There's only about one third-party manager in the whole country that exists. And it's really only for larger parks because they have minimums you know, that they want. It's like $2,000 a month minimum. So it only works with the bigger park. But the beauty of parks is once you get them all tenant owned where everyone owns their own home, there's not a lot that goes on on a day-to-day basis. So at one point, we ha- I had about 200 mobile home lots and I had my 21 apartments. And it was easier for me to manage those 200 lot than it was for me to manage my 20 apartments, which is mind-boggling to think about. But, you know, with the apartments, I was responsible for everything. Plumbing, heating and air, the water heater, the roof everything with park all i had to do was make sure that you know they're paying the rent and they're cutting the grass so there is not a lot of third-party management available but the good news is once you do get those homes sold off or if you find a park that's already all tenant owned and you buy it if it's city utilities as well you know they're paying for their own utilities it's not on septic or anything then you know there's not a ton to do day to day so don't be afraid if oh i don't want to manage this i don't know what to do it's not that hard i'll tell you our kind of game plan what we do is we will when we buy a park, let's say, again, let's say there's a 50 space park. What I do is I ask mom and pop, you know, the sellers, Hey, is there anybody in the park that kind of that helps you out? And usually there's somebody in there, or if there's not, there's somebody that they would recommend that's responsible. And if there's not somebody they recommend, we will look for somebody with the nicest house in the park and we'll ask them, Hey, do you want to be the community manager? And all they're responsible for doing is once a month. I mean, it depends on what it is, but if it's already full and everything, once a month, we'll have them go around and we'll post the late notice. Once a month, they'll walk through the park and they make sure that there's no non running cars, there's no new animals, there's no trampolines, and they'll go off around and talk to the residents to address these issues. But we pay them, we give them free lot rent typically, and then $10 a month per lot. So in that case, at 50 Space Park, they're getting free lot rent plus $500 a month. And that's not a ton, but to them, usually it's quite a bit. Um, and there's not a lot of work they have to do. That might only be, you know, one hour a week, four hours a month, and, and that's all that's really needed. And then they're also on site if you you ever, especially if you're far away, you can always call them up and be like, hey, what's going on? You know, do we have any issues in the park? So that's kind of our management structure right now. I with our over 800 lots, we have on-site managers in most of those. If we've got two smaller parks, we'll have one person. And then I have one full-time district manager and she will speak to them every week. The managers just to make sure everything's going all right and that, that the notices are getting passed out and all that. So that's kind of our management structure
0: awesome and thank you thanks for sharing that there's a great point so any one advice that impacted you ibrahim
1: yeah, there's two quotes. and I can't recall who said them. I heard it on a podcast, but I've always kept it in mind. Uh, the first one is 10 uh, years is going to go by whether you own real estate or not. And the other quote was, you're never going to buy anything else that someone else will pay for. So just even right now, if I wanted to, I could stop buying. And just from the cash flow of this, I could easily, you know, live the rest of my mm-hmm. life. And it just gets better because, <laughs> you know, with real estate, whether it's apartments or parks or office space or single family homes you know over time you've got the rent going up you've got the monthly cash flow from that the property value typically will go up your loan payment goes down and you get tax write-offs all throughout that so real estate's such a beautiful thing the longer you're in it you know the more valuable it gets and the less you owe on it so if you just spend it seems it seems daunting and it is kind of difficult to get into it but just just listen just like this listen to podcasts you know you don't have to go spend a bunch of money you know reinventing the wheel just figure out what works and copy it and you know get it out of the way if it takes you two or three or four years to get you know several assets well then you can use that for the rest of your life and you can leave it to your kids and it can benefit them so i would say if you're listening to this podcast you're on the right track don't give up just keep going until you get success eventually you will get you will be successful if you're doing the right things and you stay consistent with it
0: awesome so any one book that impacted your life
1: and what way Sure. My favorite business book is uh, called Success Through a Positive Mental Attitude. And uh, Napoleon Hill, who wrote Think and Grow Rich, he co-authored this book with another uh, guy. And uh, the, the gist of the book is basically things happen throughout your life, you know, to you sometimes and we're in as you do things, things just happen, but you can respond. You can't always control what happens, but you can control how you react to it. And if you have a positive mental attitude, if you've got PMA, then you'll have a better outcome than if you've got a negative mental attitude, which is NMA. So I always try to stay positive. you know. And the other side of that is I always try to be very friendly to people, very nice, because you never know who you're talking to. You never know what's going to happen. And even regardless of that, not because try, I'm trying to get something out of it, but I just, I like to be positive and people you're talking to, whether it's you know, sellers or... Or prospective tenants or prospective investors you know i want everyone i meet to be better off for meeting me than otherwise i want to i want to leave a positive uh, impact on everyone i meet so that's my favorite book
0: yeah that's awesome so how are you giving back to community
1: so i guess the main way right now is the way we are improving these parks and it's, it's really kind of cool with parks people stay a lot longer than, than other types of rentals. So you really have a sense of community. In one park, uh, just a few things we've done. We built a little shelter with benches and a covering where kids can wait in the morning for the bus because in this area, it rains a lot. We are installing a playground out there because again, there's a lot of kids in this park. And another thing that was kind of funny and in this same park, uh, there was no mailboxes at all. <laughs> the uh, the previous owner took them all out because uh, for, well, for whatever reason. And uh, we went through a kind of a painful process Process of, of getting the the post office to give us mail service again. We built a brand new structure, bought hundred mailboxes, installed them out here. We went through. We've probably removed twenty dumpsters worth of trash throughout the park. And we'll have community cleanup days where we will rent these dumpsters and have tell everyone, and they'll come out and throw away whatever they want to throw away. And we hauled it out of the park. We've ripped out several. Old dilapidated homes got rid of them. So we really are bringing this park back to life. You know, it's salt some again, salt signs, salt fencing, and you turn it goes from a place that people are almost embarrassed that they live in to they're really proud of where they live. So that's the main way I uh, give back. Uh, One other way, I try to help out family as much as I can and try to get them into rentals. As of, I've got four siblings and three of those four siblings are now into rentals. In fact, I have one nephew who just bought and he's only 11, but I helped him buy a mobile home in one of the parks we have and kind of walked him through the whole process and explained to him about investing. And so now he's renting out this mobile home to somebody and and, you know, he's they're paying him the rent every month and he gives us the lot rent. And so he's kind of, I'm trying to get him in that business and investor mindset of uh, doing rentals. And then one other thing I'll say really quick, that same nephew, he's 11 now every, when he, you know, when he's first born almost every week, when he was old enough to be watched, I would watch him every weekend on Saturdays, you know, just seeing him grow up and then and, and try to, you know, try to be in his life a lot because he didn't have any siblings. So that's, those are some of the ways that I try to give back.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for sharing. So how can listeners connect with you?
1: Sure. Uh, the easiest way, uh, my website is capitalcashflow.com. Um, you can send me an email through there. Love to talk with you. You know, love to talk about parks. Um, I really I feel like I'm, I've been blessed and I've been fortunate to talk with a lot of other uh, operators who have, you know, taken the time to talk with me and to help me out. So I'm happy to talk to others. And uh, yeah, reach out to me there. I'd love to.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Abraham. And I really enjoyed the conversation on mobile home park space. Thank you.
1: Thanks uh, Rama, it's great to be on here. You know, I really enjoy talking with you.
0: If you like the show, please subscribe, share, rate, and review. And if you want to connect with me, please send me a message. Info at Thank you for listening. Creating wealth through Passive Apartment Investing Podcast. I hope you learned something from the show. See you in the next episode. Thank you. Any information provided from these shows are educational purpose only. As always, please consult with your own CPA, legal and financial advisor before investing.